0: Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast. This week, I thought kicking off a brand new year and after a month of interviews that you may have listened to where I had the privilege of being on other people's shows last year for the month of January, I thought we'd kick off this year uh, with some questions that a few people have asked me over time. And I thought, why not start 2023, especially for those of you who are new to the self-love podcast? Who am I? What do I do? Why do I do these recordings? And what does the self-love podcast really mean? Well, I wanted to kick off with a number of questions that I have been put or that have been put to me that I thought you might find interesting. Could be some things I don't even know. I haven't thought about how I'd answer them. So I thought we'd try and make this as beautiful and off the cuff as possible. And my deepest wish of all is that there is a part of them that feels inspirational, maybe quirky, maybe a little bit exciting, maybe just something that you can incorporate into your world And truly, for those of you that are new to me, my work, 28 Essentials, my self-love work and self-care work, then this may introduce you and give you a little bit more of an insight as to who I am and why I do what I do. So the first question I've been asked is, what did your parents do for a living? It's a fascinating question because usually first up, I get asked, what do I do for a living? Growing up, my dad, it says on my birth certificate, my dad was a tobacco salesman and my mother was a hairdresser. And I think that's really fascinating because in today's world, to be a tobacco salesman may not be so cool and hip, but you've got to remember growing up in the 70s, it was quite a big deal. So that's what my dad did. And he did that for a number of years. My mum is a hairdresser, or she was a hairdresser. She was self-employed after working in a lawyer's office for many years. And I will be honest, growing up, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I would go into the office with her in the middle of Queen Street, and I just loved the whole idea. I did do law school for six months and then realized, actually, it's not really me. Uh, Although I'm not sure, I think I could have still done it. I had this philosophy, I'd be good at anything. Just like I would say to all of you, we're all good at anything. If we put our hearts, minds, body, and souls into it. But that's really a little bit of an insight. Mum had a salon called Fringe Benefits that I used to work in on the weekends. And after school, I would wash all these beautiful ladies' hair. And I got to really understand what it means to pamper someone and make them feel relaxed. And I'm sure you'll all agree with me. There is nothing like a really good scalp massage. So that's where I sit with what my parents do. My mum is also, she has an Instagram page, which I help her to run called Aubrey Rose, which now my mum in her seventies does a lot of knitting and does some beautiful work with beanies and amazing cardigans and all sorts of things. She's very clever. Something that I have not taken on after her with because quite frankly, sitting there and knitting does not appeal to me. And probably in our day and age where we've been so excited it's so accessible to get such cheap, easy products. A little bit sad, really, when you think about it, the art of knitting or creating something from scratch is lost. And so I'm really grateful to mum and the work that she does because it gives me an ability to share that beautiful modality where people get to actually make something for someone else. So let me have a think here with the next question. In your own words, what does the phrase phrase self-care is not selfish. It's essential. What does that mean to you? Well, I guess it all came about self-care has been something that's been really important to me throughout my life. I have always appreciated it, honored it. I think being an athlete when I was a young girl, a netballer, always knew that if I ate better foods, I seemed to play better. If I rested well, I played better. I played netball to state level um, in Auckland and absolutely lived for netball. That was my 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 passion. I did want to be a silver fern, a New Zealand netballer. Uh, So it was a real disappointment to realize I didn't quite make it past state level, but I also really appreciate just how much I loved it. I played until I was in my 40s socially, but I'm not sure any of you that have played sport uh, in your life that when we get into our more mature years, maybe called social netball, where I think the only difference is we didn't practice, but we still played like we were premier netballers. But self-care is not selfish, it's essential, is a phrase that we coined and we used in our first book that I wrote with my beautiful friend Fleur. And it was just something that we felt was really important. It's probably came from that whole thing, which you've heard many, many times. If an oxygen mask should fall above you, make sure you put it on yourself before helping others. I think that was probably the metaphor that we use more than anything. If the woman of the house is happy and healthy, life runs smoothly for everyone else. And it created a passion in me to hold women's hands Uh, And that's not to say that they needed help, but it was more about holding women's hands to remind them of how important a role they play in the home. And if I can support one woman at a time to realize just how imperative and how important she is, then I guess that's where all of my love and passion around different self-care tools became so important to me. I know that I lead my family. I know that I am the person who drives how the home feels, how the home looks, how my children are raised, how my husband is feeling. I know how important that role is. So to me, the the line self-care is not selfish, it's essential, really was something that became the epitome, the core of everything that I teach and do. I think what I love most about it is it gives us permission rather than this whole thing of mother guilt or feeling guilty for looking after ourselves. I really did hope that that phrase would give people permission to know how important your health and well-being is. Let's face it, the ripple effect that that can create in the home and in your work environment when you're happy and healthy is, well, actually, I don't think you can put a price on it. The next question I got asked is, what are you not very good at? <laughs> Gosh, there's lots of things I'm not good at. But baby, one of the things I'm not so good at, if I'm really honest, is budgeting. I hate budgeting. I just want to know that if I want to spend money and I can... Um, I want to know that if I can get something, and probably one of my biggest passions, in maybe it's one of my love languages, is gifts. I love thinking about other people and what I can gift to them. So, creating a product range called 28, one of my other beliefs and behind that was creating a range that I would love to be gifted. So, maybe for me, not being so good at budgeting, although I, I can if I really want to be. <laughs> It's just something that I really love. I love showering people with love and little gifts doesn't have to be expensive gifts, but thoughtful gifts, things that have made me put that person in my heart, and then I love to create a beautiful gift that would surprise and delight them there's many other things I'm not good at. I don't think I'm really great at uh, marketing I'm certainly not good at telling everybody how amazing twenty eight is. I'm really focused this year to share my love and passion for my beautiful business and also how much I love coaching and mentoring people. And I'm not very good at telling other people how good my brand is. I'm fantastic, I think, at sharing other people's brilliance and sharing all of their amazing mastery and magic. But I I would like to think that this year I could work on selling who I am and what 28 means to me. Oh, it actually makes me feel quite emotional saying it because I realise just how much thought, time and effort, money and unbelievable passion has gone into creating the 28 range especially when I realize it's our 14th birthday this year in 2023. And the fact that I've gone to close the doors three times because I've just wondered how the hell I'm either going to pay a bill or pay my team or release a new product or stand up against all the big boys and girls out there. Look, I'll I'll be honest. it's, It's not always been easy. But then I realized if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So those two things are probably something I'm not very good at, um, but I certainly hope to work on more this year. The next question is, what's your favorite book and why? Oh, I'm, I'm sitting in my office right now with probably hundreds of books in front of me. Quite honestly, every single one of those books, having written six books myself, I just, I'm in awe. Of any book that passes my hands. I'm in awe of the work, effort, and time it takes to write a book, to then get it edited, to then put it into um, the right graphics, to have the right cover, to then get your ISBN, to then look at marketing it, to then creating ebooks, audiobooks. Quite frankly, writing and reading and feeling the author's words is something that really means a lot to me. Probably more over the last five to 10 years, I've listened to more audio books than I have written books, uh, sorry, read books. But I'm also really, I find that if I listen to an audio book that I love, one of my favorites last year was Matthew McConaughey's Greenlight. I just loved it. And I had to buy the book after I listened to it. But hearing his voice, <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, it was just such a good book to listen to. I also love all of Brené Brown's work and one of my favourites that I share and do buy many copies of is The Four Agreements by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz where I just think if we could all adhere to those four agreements alone, I do believe life would be incredibly magical. So look, they're not necessarily, uh, I don't know, I could tell you there's so many favorite books and I am so privileged to have friends that write books, people in my circle that have written books. And I'll I'll be quite honest, every single one of my friends who have written a book are my favorites as well. Um, And if you follow me and, and listen to the Self Love Podcast, you will know that a number of guests I've had on the show are all remarkable authors as well. And if I could send a shout out to every single one of my guests, well, I can tell you honestly and wholly, they're all incredible beings. So yeah, I guess that would be my questions around my book or my answer around my favorite book. Number five question, how did you meet your other half? (laughs) This is one that I've been asked a few times. This year, 2023, is actually our 30th wedding anniversary. And so I guess you could say it's quite a big milestone for me. But how I met my husband, it's a cute little story, really. Um, I was 19 years of age and I won a trip to Perth. I was living in Auckland as a travel agent and I won a trip to Perth uh, with British Airways. And it was actually a I think a business class or even first class flight. And I won it with my beautiful girlfriend, Lizzie. Now, we were both so excited. Her, girl, her, her sister lived in Perth and I had friends that lived in Perth. So she stayed with her sister and I stayed with friends. But Lizzie actually had tickets or had gotten tickets to a one-day international cricket match at the Wacker, <laughs> And I was not into cricket at all. But you know what? I went along because Lizzie wanted to, and we'd had quite a few laughs up in the stands. We got to the halfway point in the match, and she said, I want you to meet my friend, Danny he's amazing. She said, she'll probably kill me for saying this, but she told me he was a great snogger. She'd met him at a party, or she knew of him for many years, but met him at a party one night that had a bit too much to drink. She said it was like kissing her brother. And I think he feels the same, um, like kissing his sister. So it wasn't something that was meant to me, but they have a real deep love, respect, and care for one another. And she just decided that she thought he could be right for me. I was embarrassed and a little bit worried about these these claims, but we went down to the dressing room entrance. I felt like such a blonde bimbo standing there. (laughs) But out came Danny and all of a sudden as he hugged her and then turned around to hug me, I saw this tanned, fresh, gorgeous 21-year-old who was on his first or second tour with the New Zealand black caps. And I just thought, okay. Okay. I think I'm quite interested in cricket. So that's how I met my husband. And I did tell my beautiful girlfriend on the flight home on that British Airways flight that I was going to marry him and have his babies. Uh, She freaked a little bit. I think I freaked myself out saying that. So it was quite a a, a big statement. But there we were. That was uh, 19, when was that? 1987, the end of 1987. And I got to marry him in nineteen ninety three but that's another whole thing in the the pathway for me to come back or move to Australia and then come back from Australia because of him but i I will say it was the best decision I ever made. Number six question: who would you like to play who would you like to play you in a movie? I thought this was a great question. I personally love Asha Ketty, um, the beautiful Australian actress, and I love Kate Hudson. I think either of them would be amazing. I think they would play my quirkiness and my playfulness, but also my strengths and my ability to never quit, never give in. I love both of them as actresses. And I don't know, I just look up to them both and they're both blondes. So why not? Number seven, what does your morning routine look like? I don't know, it changes for me and I've been interviewed many times and been asked this question, but those of you that know me will know that essential oils mean the world to me and my morning rituals will always consist of using essential oils. My daily body boost is my number one ritual that I've never missed since I was 19 years of age. I'm now coming up 55 this year and I do believe that that daily body boost ritual, that two-minute ritual, has been something that has made me and helped me fall in love with myself more, love my body and appreciate my body more. And it certainly made me become more aware of this amazing vessel, this physical body that we are all so blessed to have. And quite honestly, I think the majority of us take it for granted, It's not until we're sick or injured do we actually realize just how remarkable this incredible temple is. So my morning ritual can consist of getting up, doing a little meditation. I learned TM, so I love to do my 20 minutes. Sometimes if I'm rushing or if I've woken late because I like to trust my body on its waking ability, then I'll only do five minutes of meditation. I've been doing it for so long now that I can go into quite a deep trance, deep state very quickly, but certainly taking some deep breaths and setting my intention for the day is something I really love to do. I then go to the gym three times a week, or I'll go for a walk or a run, or I'll go down to the beach and watch the sunrise. I then come back and have a shower. I body scrub with a face washer or a body brush in the shower most mornings. And then I do my body boost, which is covering myself from toes to head with a teaspoon or two of oil or my everyday body lotion, three drops of essential oil and some magnesium. And I rub that into my body, just giving grateful Uh, Thanks to every single part of me, even the wobbly bits, the stretch marks, the scars, everything. And it's something I've done, as I said, since I had a young body. And now since I have a much older body, I'm even more in awe of what this remarkable, uh, incredible vessel we call our body is. I think it's fair to say that if we don't take care of our body, if we don't look after our physicality, then it's all very good and well to have a healthy mind. But if we can't use our body, I'm sure that could make us perhaps feel a little down on ourselves. So I do believe those morning rituals of taking care of yourself are imperative. Even when my babies were little, I still made sure I took time to do these little rituals. Um, And sometimes those rituals had to change at different times to to suit in with my children. But I've always made it self-care as a priority. I love to have a healthy breakfast, whether it's eggs, one of my favorite things, or whether it's a smoothie, they're probably my two favorite breakfasts. And then, of course, I love to um, just get myself ready in the house by lighting vaporizers or putting on my diffusers. I have three in the house. I set an intention with each one of them. And then I feel like my morning is ready to go. So that's my morning rituals and sometimes what mostly my morning routine can look like. Question number eight, what makes you feel inspired or motivated? Well, I think inspiration can come in many forms. And I think to be truly successful at anything, it's an essential prerequisite. And I think sometimes it even comes from places we didn't expect. It could be just like this morning, just before I started to record this podcast, I got a text from my son saying, missing you with two kisses. That inspires me. I got a beautiful message from my daughter. She rang me last night and I shared with her a reading I'd had. And just hearing her um, feedback on that is inspirational. Watching what she does with her business and what she's studying inspires me. My husband is in New Zealand at the moment with his beautiful mum and just hearing the little things that he's saying and doing with and for her that inspires me. I've received messages and emails this morning for people ordering products from 28. I can't begin to tell you how much that inspires me to keep going. And I just gave approval for our EDM to go out today, our newsletter to go out today. And we've decided that self-love is the Valentine's Day mantra. And that's what I feel really inspired about, that it's not just always about commercialism or having to sell X amount of dollars or market yourself to the hilt, but by creating products that actually make people feel really good, I cannot begin to tell you how much that inspires me. I also get really motivated looking at inspirational people on Instagram and Facebook. I've really become quite selective of who I follow, and I just love people who cross thresholds, step up out over paradigms of, um, um, I guess, change, where they've created change going from a challenging time to then how they've worked through it. Books inspire me. Podcasts inspire me. You, my listener, inspires me. And I don't say that lightly. The fact that you give me your time each week, sometimes twice a week with the quickies, I do not take that for granted at all. And you have no idea when I get a message, a five-star rating, a feedback on either my Instagram or Facebook page that you've enjoyed an interview or a quickie or it's made a difference, then I can honestly say probably my customers, listeners, and clients are my greatest motivation and inspiration number nine what's one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you hmm. well just off the top of my head i think people would be surprised to find out that i have two tattoos um they're not easily seen um but that might be surprising um It might also surprise you that I set a world record for being the youngest female to run 100 miles in 24 hours back when I was 20. Um, It may surprise you that I lived in Melbourne for three and a half years from 19 to 22 before I moved back to New Zealand. And it may surprise you that I absolutely love the fact that I have a business that is able to operate in my two favorite countries on the planet, which is New Zealand and Australia. But yeah, they might be a few little things that could surprise you or not. I don't know, but hopefully that answers that question. Number 10, if you were going to live on a desert island, but could only take one thing with you, what would it be? Ooh, um, gosh the first thing that came into my mind unconsciously was my essential oils because they're so antiseptic antibacterial and antimicrobial so I guess if I was stuck on a desert island I'd at least like to think that I had my oils with me if I was injured but also because smell is so closely linked to our emotions maybe that's why I did. Um, some of my essential oils with me, because I do believe if I can think good or think clearly, then maybe I'll do better and create more opportunity for myself for survival, particularly if I was a little bit scared or lonely. So uh, the next question I have is number 11, what keeps you up at night? I think sometimes the things that get me up at night would be the same as you and every other person on the planet. Maybe money problems that worry me or have done in the past, things that keep me up is worrying about what my children are doing and how to make the best for them, Um, worries me sometimes if my husband's feeling a bit down and lonely when he's overseas and traveling away from home so much because I know as much as he stays in five-star hotels and travels business class and everyone goes, oh, tough job. it's, It's still... It's still very hard for people to appreciate just how lonely that job can be for people that travel a lot, particularly our husbands who are away from families. But I think also, too, what keeps me up at night is worrying that maybe I'm not good enough. And (laughs) that might sound strange, but I do worry that I don't give enough or share enough or um, am enough for people to want to follow me, interact with me, purchase my products, or be a part of my coaching, mentoring, or indeed any of my programs. And yes, I have woken up at night worried that I'm not good enough. Um, but after hearing the beautiful Serena Williams, I think it, it was one of the Williams sisters sharing um, just how they worried that they weren't good enough tennis player I remember thinking, well, if Serena Williams is worried that she's not the number one tennis player or she's not good enough tennis player or good enough mum, I dare say that most of us have those fears that we're not good enough. But I do think perhaps one of the biggest things for me that wakes me is it probably would be money issues. And particularly this year with interest rates rising and the need to have our mortgages paid and all those things, I can honestly say, yep, that keeps me up at night. Number 12, what's your biggest fear? <laughs> it's funny, living in Australia, I think my biggest fear would have to be spiders. <laughs> um, I don't know why. It's not like I freak if I, well, I do freak if I see them. A big one, I freak out at. Um, but I used to say my one of my biggest fears was heights. And when I did a hypnotherapy session one day, um, my coach said to me, so you're afraid of heights? And he got me to stand on a chair And he said, are you afraid of this height? And I said, no. And then he asked me if I was afraid of being in the sky flying. And I said, no. And he goes, so you're not afraid of standing on that chair. You're not afraid of flying. What are you afraid of? And I went, oh, maybe it's more I'm afraid of falling. And he goes, oh, so you're afraid of falling. And I said, yes. And he goes, have you ever fallen in love before? And I said, yes. And he goes, so you're not really afraid all the time of falling, are you? And it's just a real mind-brain scrambler when you think about, is it the fear of heights or is it the fear of falling or what is falling? And so it really got me thinking, and I have to be honest, doing one of my hypnotherapy sessions as the client, I don't seem to have that fear so badly. It's not to say that when I'm up really high hiking or on the edge of a a mountain when we've gone up high somewhere that I don't get a little bit squidgy, but I don't think I have the same fear I had before I had that hypnotherapy session. So, yeah, I guess, too, another fear would be like any of us losing people we love. Um, That's always a fear. But then if I'm fearful of that, I'm not living in the now. So I've had to really become conscious that a fear is usually based on projecting something that could happen. And so the more present I become, the more aware of being in the moment, those fears can dissipate. And let's face it, if I see a spider, I can deal with it <laughs> or get someone else to deal with it. So I think fear is really brace, uh, uh, really about the future or something happening than it really is. So the more I live in the present, come back to my thoughts in the moment and be grateful for where I am right here, right now, I don't seem to have those fears. Number 13, who's your favorite podcaster right now? Well, I'm really enjoying listening to Esther Perel right now. She's just the most amazing, phenomenal soul. Uh, she's inspiring and she talks about relationships and sex and intimacy and connection. And I just think it's she's just a beautiful human and I love her podcasts. I also love Amy Porterfield from a um, marketing and business point of view. I love listening to Marcus Pierce and Damien Christoph with their 100 Not Out podcast. Oh, look, there's lots I love listening to. Um, but those ones, Jay Shetty is another one I really enjoy listening to. They're all beautiful. Um, Robin Sharma, I love. Yeah, there's a lot that I love listening to. Tell me something, number 14, tell me something you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Tell me something you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Hmm. I guess this is about controversy. Well, maybe, maybe something that I believe is true is that everything is perfect. And some would say, how can you say that when there's so much sorrow or harrowing depression or sadness or disasters and things like that? Well, I guess for me, it is what it is. And it's maybe another way of saying it is life is perfectly imperfect, or maybe everything is imperfectly perfect. I just don't know that we can ever fully appreciate that struggle and challenge is a part of the human makeup. And I do believe we all need to and do and must go through challenge and struggle in order to realize that they are opportunities for growth, awareness, expansion, and wholesomeness. So maybe not everybody would agree with me on that, but I do believe it is what it is, and that life is beautifully perfect. Number 15, if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Well, I think I'd have to say Elvis would be someone I'd love to meet. I remember I was nine coming up 10 when he passed away. I was devastated. I wanted to go to his show. I wanted to be, that um, I, I, was one of my favorite albums I ever bought. It was a, my first album I ever bought. was an Elvis Presley album. Definitely him. I've always loved Madonna, even though she's looking quite different these days. Um, and perhaps I'd really love to have met Nelson Mandela and had dinner with him a beautiful man someone who I just yeah epitomizes strength stillness calmness someone who led even after 27 I think 27 28 years in captivity I just yeah he's remarkable I'm sure he had constraints and I'm sure there were aspects of him that weren't perfect but yeah maybe those three would be good to start with Number 16, who do you look up to the most? Hmm. Well, maybe the people I look up to the most is people like you. Everyday people giving it their best, doing their best. My children would come into that. They probably don't realize just how much I look up to them. My husband I look up to and the way he handles life and does things a lot of the time is incredibly beautiful. I look up to people who give it their best, give it their all. I look up to people who never say die, and never quit. I look up to people who, even though they may be incredibly challenged, have just this remarkable ability to be really honest with that, but also externally consider and be their best version anyway. I look up to people who have taught me, my coaches, my mentors. I look up to people who have taught me my diplomas and all the certifications that I've been so fortunate to achieve and accomplish. There's many people I look up to and I can honestly say on a daily basis it's probably the everyday person who I look up to the most. Number 17 this is interesting how big is your inner circle? I've got lots of acquaintances and there's lots of people and good, beautiful souls that I would love to say are in my circle. But as I've gotten older, I don't know if many of you would feel the same. As I've gotten older, I really do believe that for many, those that circle, that inner, inner circle has got smaller. There's not many people who I really, really um, would share everything with. There's uh, mainly because I don't want to burden people, perhaps with my stresses or fears or worries, but I think, you know, time's really precious and I love spending my time with people who love me for who I am, but also who I get real joy being in their company. So I do have a smaller inner circle, but I would love to say that that bigger inner circle Oh, I am so fortunate to be surrounded by some incredibly beautiful, powerful, inspiring souls. Um, so whether or not that's in my work or whether it's in my friendship circle, my family circle, I look up to so many people and that inner circle is people who I love to spend time with. Number 18, what was the last thing you Googled? Ah. Uh, what was the last thing I googled? I think it was, I was looking up, I was trying to find, (laughs) um, I think I was looking up, what was I looking up just recently? Oh, I know. I was looking up um ingredients that are in well-known perfumes because my mind has been ticking over lately about what are the most common oils used in perfume world so yeah that was the latest thing i googled very early this morning number 19 if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18 year old self what would you tell her i i guess we all know that hindsight is a wonderful thing isn't it and I guess we could all save ourselves a lot of trouble if we could go back and give our former selves some really good advice. But I think perhaps looking back, I was always and am someone who always has quite a positive disposition and I'm always perhaps thinking of the most positive outcome or thinking about it from another viewpoint or trying to imagine that there's 10 ways to look at something just so that I don't get hell bent on one particular viewpoint or think that my way is the only way. But I think if I could go back in time, one of the biggest things I would definitely remind myself is that I have more, more wisdom than I think I do. Um, Sometimes I've always thought I've had to hand over money to get someone else to do something that I'm not so good at. But I've also learned that no one looks after your money the way you do. And perhaps trust myself a little bit more. Tune into that inner knowing, that ability to realize that I have all the answers within me if I give myself the time and space and energy to trust that. So perhaps if I was looking back at my 18-year-old self right now, I would tell her to trust herself and tune into that inner that inner knowing way, way more. Know that she has all the answers within. Number 20, what was your first job? Well, when I left uni after doing six months of law, I got a job. I realized that I was bored doing that. And the first job I got was working in travel. Um, It was at a place called CTM Tours, which is no longer around, but it was a wholesale travel company and I was a ticketing agent. I learned how to create tickets and create BSB returns and do all of these amazing things. And so it really inspired a desire to travel. And I worked in wholesale and retail travel from the age of 17 through till I was about 20. So I worked in travel for three, three and a half years and absolutely loved it. And it's still one of my greatest passions. It also taught me a lot that when I am traveling, I know how to change flights. I know how to get upgraded. I know how to look for the best deals, even to this day and age. And we didn't even have Google back then. Uh, or all the ability to look at different flights, but it certainly gave me some really good insight as to how the travel industry worked. Number 21, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone just starting out as a... And I guess the the question here is is as a coach, and this is when I was asked um this question in particular around being a mindset and a mentor and coach. what's the one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out? I think it would be the same for any job. be yourself, be true to yourself, honour yourself, give the best of yourself. I remember reading, uh, I think it was Chicken Soup for the Soul, might have been stories or something in that many, many years ago. And one of them said, whatever job you're doing, make it the best that you can possibly be. And it talked about a beautiful young man worked, who worked in a supermarket packing bags. And you'd think that that job may be low level. I don't know. I think it's a pretty good job. It was a job I had after school, for certainly for a number of years. But it was talking about as if You know, that might not be a career, but this beautiful young man used to put notes into the shopping bags and he always had a big smile. And apparently there was always this long, long queue. They always wanted, his name was Johnny. They always wanted to go into Johnny's aisle. There was not self-serve. Um, supermarkets back then, but it's just always stayed with me that the piece of it, any job that you're in, give it your absolute best, no matter what, make someone's day. When I was waitressing, I always smiled and always thought, I'll make this person feel like this is the best meal they've ever had. And I worked in an Italian restaurant for many years. And I used to get incredible tips because people just could tell I loved my job and loved making people's days, so no matter what you're doing, starting out, give it your best, show up, ask lots of questions, and ultimately know that you can make a difference number twenty two how would you How would your parents describe what you do <laughs> I don't know, I think my mum and dad, even though they're not together, I know they're both very proud of me and I know they admire the work that I do. I don't think either of them would ever want to do what I do, but I know they both love my products. Um, I know that they both love the fact that I, I get out there and give it my all. And I definitely think they would say that they were proud of me and what I do. Number 23, What has been the most memorable moment of your career so far? Um, I think the fact that public speaking was my greatest fear uh, and the fact now that I get paid to speak is probably the biggest irony, really. Um, I never thought I could be a speaker, but I remember the first time I was invited to speak for a company called In Essence Aromatherapy. My head was nodding no, but my heart said yes, and I'm so glad I took the plunge and flew to Melbourne to be trained by these two incredible women who were so inspiring to me. Uh, the two women that started In Essence Aromatherapy. I met them just as they launched In Essence in 1987. And I always wanted to be them. I wanted to be like them. And so when I finally got the opportunity after stalking them for so long, to then be trained by them to teach aromatherapy, to study aromatherapy, and then to deliver their courses and programs. I think that's a really memorable moment for me. It was a turning point for me. Another memorable moment, I think so far, was also launching 28. I was told that you know it may not be the best thing. There's lots of other companies out there doing skincare and essential oils. But for me, no one did it the way I did it. And when we started, I started with my beautiful girlfriend, Fleur. We both knew that no one did it the way us two would ever do it. So why not? So I think those two moments have been pretty memorable for me in my career. Number 24, if you could give one piece of advice to your previous boss, what would it be? Uh, Well, my boss... My boss back when I was working in travel, because ever since I left then I've worked for myself, what would be the advice I would give to that previous boss? Um, She was extraordinary. Um, She took me under her wing. Her name was Judy Hand. She took me under her wing and she saw something in me that I hadn't even seen. She knew I would be a remarkable travel consultant and What would be my advice to her? Oh, I know, probably to look after herself more because she gave so much to everyone else. And sadly, she passed away a number of years ago from cancer. But maybe my advice to her would be to take better care of herself so that she was here for longer. Mm. Number 25, what do you hope the world will look like in 10 years? Hmm. Well, this is a big question, isn't it? Especially given the last three or four years that we've all had to endure. But I think just keep imagining the beauty of this world. I know many people think I have rose-tinted glasses and that I seem to think the world is just this beautiful place. But I do. I truly do. Um, Nature is wild and harsh and violent and extreme. But so are we as humans so how i hope the world will look in 10 years is that we each have the ability to live our own dreams that connection and community is really important that we get to inspire one another and and be each other's friends and you know i'd love to think that there was no hatred and but i also know that to have love we have to have hate in order to have beauty and grace we have to have challenge and hardship so I, maybe I still have my rose tinted glasses on, but I hope the world is just like now, but even better. (laughs) Number 26, would you rather have more time or more money? Gosh, I think we always, if we have more time, we always have the ability to make more money. I think time is such a precious commodity that we take for granted until maybe we realize we don't have it. I know that we grew up with, I grew up with parents that didn't have a lot of money. Um, I know as I'm getting older and now in my mid fifties, if I had more time, I'd do it all over again and, and do it better. So I think time is a way more precious commodity than money, because I think money you can always make. Having said that, if I had a whole lot of money, maybe I could make my time more precious. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, they're both. I know they're the two biggest excuses, time and money as to why we don't look after ourselves. So I do believe it's never about time or money. It's always about what we prioritize. So yeah, to me, ask someone who's unwell or maybe doesn't have a lot of time left on this planet. I bet they would say time. Ask someone young who's trying to make it in the world and I bet they'd say money. So I guess it's it's really dependent on your perspective. But For me, I think it's about prioritizing and realizing and appreciating, respecting both, and perhaps neither of them are ever fully guaranteed. So regard them, appreciate them, and revere it. Number 27, have you had your I've made it moment yet? Gosh, this is a really interesting one, isn't it? I've made it this is something that's probably really good for me to celebrate uh, and acknowledge is that I don't celebrate it every time I think I have made it. Some people would say writing a book, they could say they've made it. Some would say creating a business, I've made it. Some would say a profitable business, I've made it. Um, Getting married and being in love, people would say you've made it. Running a hundred miles, someone would say I've made it. I've had many I've made it moments because I have lots of these little goals and dreams and hopes and aspirations. And each time I have accomplished it, I've certainly said in my head, yes, I've made it. But I also know in that moment of having made it, I'm already thinking of the next thing I want to achieve. Perhaps what the goal or the question I should be asking myself is how do you celebrate those I've made it moments? And that's probably something I'm a little bit guilty of. I'm already moving on to the next thing. And I I need to perhaps celebrate a little bit more when I have had those I've made it moments. Number twenty-eight. What are you looking forward to in the future, personally and/or professionally? I'm really looking forward to having twenty-eight be an international global brand. I'm looking forward to launching my essential self mastery program this year. I'm really looking forward to seeing my children achieve their goals. Hopes and dreams this year. I'm also looking forward to having more time with my husband. I'm hoping to go to India to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary this year because that's where he'll be. Oh, there's so many things. I'm looking forward to a few more trips back to New Zealand. I'm looking forward to seeing more of my precious family, hanging out with my friends a little bit more. And I'm really looking forward to making some really good money so that I can switch off a little bit more or treat myself a little bit more and and help those in need a little bit more. Number 29. How do you want to be remembered? I asked my two children this question, how would you remember mum if she died and they both rolled their eyes. I remember it we we're in the car they both rolled their eyes and they both went, oh, "Be kind." <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, if that's what's on my tombstone, she always said be kind. I think I've made it. <laughs> that would be my greatest wish. Be kinder to the planet, be kinder to animals, be kinder to your neighbors, be kinder to humans, be kinder to yourself. I think how I'd like to be remembered is she was always someone that reminded us to be kind. Number 30. What should I should I ask you but haven't yet? I always love this question because I never really know, but it does seem to come. I think the one question I'd love to be asked is, how do you keep staying so positive? Hmm. It's something that I really appreciate about myself. I do tend to have a very positive outlook on life and I do tend to have a positive way of reframing things or looking at things. And how I do that is I always take some deep breaths, no matter how much of a lump I have in my throat or a pain in my chest or a sick feeling in my stomach. I know that when I place one hand on my tummy and one hand on my heart and ask myself to go within, I do always find something that I could learn from, grow from, or expand from. And I also know that there is always something positive. So yeah. Maybe that would be it. Number 31, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? I ask that question of my guests a lot because I want to share them. Well, I'm going to be bold and say this with you. If you want to be part of my mentoring program, I know not everyone can afford coaching or the the work that I do one-on-one. But if you would like to have insights and aspects of what I do and teach and beautiful guests that I get to interview and masterclasses, then I would definitely refer you to com. On there, you will find my programs like Essential Oils 101. You will find my beautiful Self-Love and Wellness Mentorship Program that every Tuesday night we get together. Uh, It's a beautiful, amazing program that I was only going to do for one year. And here we are into year four of that program. But every Tuesday night, it's a one-hour investment into your own self-worth and self-care and self-love and self-being. And it's just that one hour a week that gets you to question yourself, love yourself, and be in a community of like-minded, beautiful souls. All these women in there that champion you. It's just the most precious network. And it's only $47 a month, uh, or you can pay $470 for 12 months. I think it's one of the most price affordable and accessible programs with really incredible content and people on there. So yeah, I would tell you to go there. And of course, um, the Essential Self Mastery Program, which will be launching in April this year. Again, you can find that on com, And my other love, my biggest passion is 28.com. The word 20, the number eight, .com is all my beautiful self-care tools, the essential oils that are just so high, pure, 100% organic essential oils, plus our exquisite skincare range. Oh, go there to 28.com and you will find that we also offer two-day immersion events, which is called the Essential Self-Care Weekend, which we have coming up one in Victoria and one later in the year here on the Sunshine Coast. And of course, if any of you would ever love for me to come to your part of the world um, and would love me to present an essential self-care weekend, then you can reach out to me on info at KimMorrison.com, info at KimMorrison.com. That's where you can find out more about me, my coaching, my programs, my books, and all the things that I love to do. So new beautiful souls, here we are. 2023. I'm not sure if that's helped you understand who I am a little bit more or just given you some insights as to how I view and see the world. But I sincerely hope that as we get stuck into 2023, that at the end of this year, we can be celebrating that it's been your best year ever. Please don't take it for granted hug your family tight, send love notes, send messages, reach out to someone right here, right now, and just tell them how much you love and appreciate them. Because as we all know, we can get tapped, whacked, or have big mac trucks hit us at any time in our life. And I just want you to know that for all of us that have had mac trucks absolutely sideswipe us with news that has changed our lives or the loss of someone or something, then let's just take a moment to be kind, to take care and to truly embrace what it means to be alive in the world right here, right now. I hope you've enjoyed this week's self-love podcast. Uh, Welcome to 2023, my 250th show where I wanted to share with you a little insight, introduce myself to those of you who are new to my work And to say how much I love you to those of you who have followed me for some time. You can head on over to my Instagram pages, Kim Morrison and the number 28 or 28 Essentials. Or you can head over to both Facebook pages, Kim Morrison, uh, or you can head over to 28's Facebook page as well. And you will get some more insights. My goal this year, if you want to keep me accountable and ask questions on either of those platforms, is to share more of my work, share more of my beautiful products. And I've been asked to share more of me Uh, with lives it's a bit nerve-wracking for me because maybe that's something I haven't felt I was too good at so yeah if you can stay on my back and keep reaching out then I promise I will keep trying to endeavor to deliver high quality information on self-care and self-love thank you so much for your five-star ratings thank you for your feedback on all of those platforms for your questions that inspire me to be a better human and most of all, I want to thank my business, 28 Essentials, for being the sponsor of this beautiful show. And I also want to thank the WellnessCouch.com because these guys who have just been taken over by a couple of exquisite souls are the reason I can have this beautiful podcast on their platform. Take care, everybody. I look forward to seeing and playing with you more with some incredible podcasts and quickies this year right here